Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Good, 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 man. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. A great day to be in church. Before I move forward, I want to give you just one shout out. Shout out for home groups. Be, get, join, sign up. Be a part of home groups this, this semester. I know some of you think it's weird. You're going to be uncomfortable. You don't know anybody. I, I just want to inform you of something. Anything in your life that requires growth also re- requires discomfort. And so if you, do, if you only do things in your life that you're comfortable, uh, that you feel secure, that you have all the answers, you will never do anything significant for God. And so I, I know going to somebody's house, joining a group, you know, coming, coming to a leadership group, whatever group you join, whatever you've looked at, I know it's intimidating, uh, but do, do it afraid. Sign up, get, be, join a group, be a part of it. Allow God to build something in you, do something through you. It's going to be a great, great semester. Uh, if you're a dude, I'm going to give a shout out from my own group because I have the mic. If you're a guy uh, and you get up early, uh, and all world changers get up early, amen. And so uh, right here on Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30, we're going to be studying uh, biblical leadership through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, no fluff, coffee, only black, Bibles, notebooks, beards. Uh, and, and, and grunting. And so uh, come, it's going to 6.30, 7.30, done at 7.30, hard stop. We got places to be, worlds to change. Amen. And so make sure you're a part of it. We're going to have a good, good time. But today we're going we're gonna to take a break from our, from our normal way of doing things. Our, 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 usually we start a sermon series. We're going to start one next, next week called Influencer. Uh, we're going to talk about being influenced, allowing the God to do something through our lives. But today I want to give you a State of the Union address if I can. This is not political at all, but I want you to See where we're going as a church. And so the Bible says without a vision, people perish. If you don't know where you're going, you hit that every time. And so uh, we, are, we have a goal. We, we, have, we have plans. We have a vision for our church. We believe our best days are, are ahead of us. A uh, year and a half ago, we started something called a pandemic. It's a new thing for us. And uh, we weren't prepared for it. They didn't get trained. They didn't go to Bible college. They didn't have a class for that. Nobody really knew what was going on. We closed for two weeks. They said we're going to bend the curve and a bunch of other things, you know. And we ended up being closed for a few months. We went to church online. Stuff was, stuff was different. People were mad no matter what you did. Politics, all sorts of other things were going on in, in our country. And stuff changed in, in, in our church. I, I remember we were, on, we were online. You remember we were here still, but we were trying to stay connected through our cameras. We had technology God had blessed us with. So we did a bunch of online things. If you weren't here for that, you missed it. Ian Guido was in his element. I watched Tommy Boy last night because I couldn't fall asleep. And I just kept thinking of Ian, right? And so uh, he just, he's, just, he's just made to, do, to be he's just funny. Like he just does funny things. So he did all sorts of funny things on camera. And we just had a good time trying to make it through. Uh, but we also did, did devotions. And I, I would say to you guys, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this together. And we're going to come out the other end better. Uh, I also said oftentimes when we started church, I said, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I don't know if it's, it's too risky, uh, but I believe this is what we're supposed to do. We went, through, we went through double down, and I said, I just want to be on the right side of history. I want, I want to make sure we're doing what God has called us to do. I, w- I want to keep going. Uh, and then I also heard this statement to myself that was an encouragement to me as I worried constantly about the state of the church, where we were going. And the statement was simple. It was from the Spirit of God uh, and a Ford commercial, I think. Uh, and it was built for this. 
I think something like that, built tough. I don't know which one it is. But I just kept hearing the Spirit of God say, you're going to be okay. Your church is built for this. You've changed. You've shifted. You've adjusted. You've had people come and go. You have people serving. Your money's going to be okay. People sacrifice and give. They get it. You You are built for this. And I want to show you. I'm going to use the screen behind me a lot today. I want to show you the history of Journey Church's attendance over the years. And so here's a graph that we made. Uh, it's not scientific, but it's, it's, it's an estimate. And here's where we started. 2008, we started our church. We had 200 people. And you can see the trajectory of where we were going. We were moving good. 2020, March, we had 1,350 people coming to five campuses. We were heading towards 1,500 people by the end of that year. And, and everything happened. And our church went from 1,350 people to zero in two weeks. We opened back up in June with the grand total, counting pregnant ladies and everything, of 305 people. I left in tears that day. I thought to myself, all that work, all that effort, all that preaching, all that serving, everything, and our church has come back, and we have overnight lost 80% of our people. And I wondered if God would build the church, because many studies suggested most churches weren't coming back. Things were going to change. Most nominal people that were a part of your church were never coming back if you gave them a, a year off or a few months off. And I wondered, was it, was it, what was going to happen? And I kept thinking, we're built for this. We're going to be okay. We're going to come back better, right? And I would say that to you guys, but I wondered to myself, we were going to be okay. Over the last year and a half since we started having church in June, you'll notice it went from 305 people and currently we're right at 1,100 people. We're coming back stronger than we've ever come back. What's so cool is almost every category that we track as a church is better than it's ever been this year. Like, for instance, uh, we track offering. We want to know where we're at. We have to pay our bills. Pre-COVID, we had five campuses, 1,350 people. We had an average of $34,000 a week in offering, which, is, which was huge for us. Like, I remember 2008, we had $3,000 a week. I remember 2005, we had $150 a week, and that came from one person's tithe. There was no online giving, and if he didn't come to church, if he was hunting, I used to have to go meet him for breakfast to work him over to give us his tithe. (laughs) So money has never been lost on me. It's never not been a big deal. Every time somebody gives, it's a big deal to us. We had $34,000. This year, when we're back, 1,100 people, we're averaging $43,000 a week in offering. That's a big deal. It's enabled us to give over $300,000 away this year. $300,000 away. It's enabled us to take a $50,000 check and send it to a pastor in Reading, and he's going to come on full-time. I just talked to him this week, come on full-time in January so he can take his church to the next level. And enable us to give 90% of our of our gear away in our Rofo campus as we were letting that lease run out to a new church that just launched two weeks ago in Collegeville called Verge Church. Generosity makes a difference. Not only does it make a difference in in offering and in security, but it gives you an opportunity to do amazing things. We have more people get baptized in 2021 than we've ever had before. We've had more people come through Welcome to Church than we've ever had before. We've had more people give their lives to Christ than we've ever had before. From 2008 to 2020, we averaged between three and 400, sometimes 500 people a year. Our greatest year, I believe, was 2017. We had 573 people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in those 12 months. It was incredible. This year, as we've opened back up, we've already seen 496 people respond to the gospel, which puts us on pace for 628 people this year. 
It's a big deal. So a lot of stuff changed over the last few years. We went from two campuses, or five campuses, two campuses. If you're in Montgomeryville, you and Plymouth Meeting joined join together. Uh, if you're here, some of you are from Rofo, some of you are from Limerick, you OGs, and some of you are from Phoenixville, and some of you are just here. This is your first day ever. And God's doing incredible things. We started asking ourselves, what's next? We liquidated some assets. We got rid of some leases. God's filling up the, the church and, and, and Phoenix who have gone from two services to three, three to four. Uh, what, what do we do next? How do we make more room? Do we start another campus? Do we open Limerick back up? What do we do? We had an amazing opportunity at the end of, of 2020 to begin to work on Adam more property in, Phoenix, in Phoenixville. So here's our, our, current, our current, current footprint at Phoenixville. If you haven't noticed, black is our designated color. I love, I love black. It makes you look skinnier, right? And so, but black is where we're at currently. We have 12,000 square feet, roughly. Everything else is borrowed or rented that we have. We fit close to 900 people every week, like sardines into this building. And God's been doing great things, but you do make decisions for the future, not for, for the present. We know that God has more to do through our church. Here's some pictures of a current Sunday if you've ever been to Phoenixville. This is what you look like in the lobby. It looks like hell to me. And so <laughs> I sneak out the door. Don't go a little slower for me. This is, this is the hallway where you check your kids out. He's mad. And so he's wondering how long is this going to take? And I'm right there with them. And if you come between services, you know you head to a line back there that literally is like getting on a ride at Disney World. Here's what your kids look like when they're waiting to get checked out. Looks awesome. Here's a room. Here, slow down just a little bit, please. Here's another room. Uh, this, is, this is our four to five-year-old's room, I believe. This is our six to 12-year-old's room. This, room. this room right here is about 900 square feet, and many Sundays it has over 50 kids in it for an hour. If you've never been in there, you don't know. We're out of room. Here's our auditorium, oftentimes on Sunday. You know, we added services to make room, but many times when we had three services, two of the three would be almost every seat would be filled, and it was to the point where you need to, to do something. So we started to pray, and God gave us an opportunity because of your giving and your generosity, and because we liquidated some of our assets, we had an opportunity to add some space in Phoenixville, and here's our new footprint in Phoenixville. You notice it almost doubled. We own... We own we went from 12,000 square feet to almost 26,000 square feet. We own a few businesses now. Uh, the yoga studio that is there is now, is now ours. They rent from us. The dance studio rent, rents from us. And we have no, no immediate plans for, for their space. It's, it's future that we, that we were looking at. But we added a new office space. Our, our, our old office space is down here. And so you see these spaces. And so I want to show you what we've been working on. I'm super excited. You guys ready? So you know where we've been. Here's, here's a 3D drawing of where we're going. Some of you are artistic. You can see it. Some of you are like, what, is, what am I looking at right now? So our current lobby, I'm going to step back here. Our current lobby is, is right here right now. You know our current lobby. Our new lobby is going across the hall. Uh, it's almost four times the size of, of, our, of, our, of our old lobby. It's going to have a better coffee bar, better guest services. You're not going to have to walk through it to get out if, if you don't need to go there. It's going to be awesome. Our new auditorium, you can see something like, what am I looking at? You're looking at stadium seating. And, and we add, we're going to go from 300 seats to 560 seats a, 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 as a church, which gives us a lot more room to reach people. The kids area I'm most excited about. The kids area right now is going to go from four classrooms to six classrooms. 
Every classroom is as big as the biggest classroom that we currently have. Some of the coolest parts of the kids' classroom is they're gonna, we're going to divide the age groups even more, and they're going to spend time each of the classes in their own worship environment with the state-of-the-art technology. Also, every, bath, every kids' room is going to be equipped with their own bathroom. If you're on security, yes, because kids just keep going pee. They don't stop. And so... And you know if you come here, if you, if you work with kids and they need to go to the bathroom, it's a whole ordeal. You take two security guards, a couple teachers, call the President of the United States, tell them where you're going. So every kid's classroom is going to be equipped with bathrooms, except for the nursery because they don't go to the bathroom, but you'll have a running sink in there. Uh, uh, in the hallway, they're gonna check, you're going to check your kids in and out of. It's going to be 20 feet wide. To put that in perspective, when you walk out of this space, the current space you walk through as you're walking by the kids, uh, that little space is 13 feet. So it's going to be seven feet bigger than that. So you won't wait in line anymore to pick up your kids. You'll walk straight into the hallway and go to one of our safe and secure doors, give them the card, and pick them out. It's going to be equipped at the end of the hallway, equipped with natural lighting. Let me show you a few pictures of the auditorium. Uh, you see, here's another view of the Oh, this is my view of you. Pick your seat. That's my view. I want to sit in the balcony up there. Uh, go, go to the other view. Here's the nose, a view of the nosebleeds for some of you who come late because we're going to fill every seat in that place. That's why we're building it. And so a view of that, uh, I think we have a picture of our, new, of our new lobby there. So our lobby will have huge 12-foot, I think wide by 12-foot tall, big rolling doors. They'll go up. You'll walk in. Uh, the hallways are getting widened. The bathrooms have already been renovated. Our new sound system is, is a couple weeks from getting installed. And so if you thought it was loud now just give us a few weeks we're about to rock this place shake the foundations we have a new sound system coming in uh, and so it, we have we have exciting things coming but here's the thing why are we doing it why 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 spend all this time all this effort all this energy why, why why are we doing it i think that's an important question to ask anytime if you're a christian anytime you spend any money why like for instance a couple years ago we we bought a suburban we only have three kids Somebody asked me why. Why would you buy a Suburban? I had, I had some selfish reasons. One of the reasons was we drive to Oklahoma every year, and if I don't separate them, I'm going to kill them, right? <laughs> so we put one all the way in the back, you know, two, and, and, and it, it makes sense. But the other reason we bought it is I had a vision for my life and for my kids' lives. And the vision for my life and my kids' lives is they are approaching being teenagers, which they are, they are now. They will tell you they are teenagers. I think they're adults now. And they're teenagers, and I want them to have influence over, over their friends and in their, in their community, and I want to be able to bring their friends with me when we go to sporting events or them to sleep over or them to be at church with me, uh, and we can pick them up and bring them to church. I want to fill this car to which I, I would encourage you. We did that, and that's happening right now. And you, you, do, you, don't, you do things, you, you do things with, with a why in mind. So, so the question is, why would you build this? Why would you add this? Why would you do this? And I want to show you this through the life of a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a normal dude. If you're a normal person, you would relate to Nehemiah. His job is to be a cupbearer. Now, you don't know what that is because that doesn't exist anymore. But he was a Jewish young man that had been part of the exile. He actually wasn't even a part of it. He was as a result of it. So the Jewish people were exiled from their homes to Babylon. Years had passed, 70 years uh, exactly, and now the Persian Empire had taken over Babylon, and he was serving as a cupbearer to the Persian king. What does that mean? It means he was a young man of integrity, and he was trusted. It also means he had a cush job. 
He didn't have no calluses on his hands. He had long hair. He wore skinny jeans. He drank lattes. He, he, he watched Hallmark movies. He was sensitive. He was that type of guy. He, he, was, he was the farthest thing from what you would think God was about to call him to do. And he gets this story one time, this, this report. His brother comes back from the land that he's only heard about. He's never been. And his brother says, some people have gone back. The Jewish people are starting to move back into their homeland and rebuild. And Nehemiah says, how's it going? And he says, it's good, but the wall is in ruins. The, the wall is, is torn down. Now, he's the farthest thing from the person you think God would call to do a major construction period. He's probably never touched a hammer in his life, and his job is to taste wine and make sure there's no poison in it before he serves the king. But here's what I found in my life. God does not often look for ability. He searches for availability. He doesn't always look for the best person. He doesn't always use the person who everybody else says, that's the person God wants to use. He searches for people who are available to be used by him. Something happens in his life. You can read about it in Nehemiah chapter 1. His heart breaks, the Bible says. I actually want to read you the story. The Bible says, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and his gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Every great moment of God in your life often starts with a broken heart. He thinks about the wall. His heart breaks. And he needs to go back and do something about it. And I've always wondered to myself, why? Why? Why, why build a wall? Kind of like some people would say, why build a church? God doesn't live in a building. Church is bigger than a building. Why a wall? What's the big deal about the wall? And I started studying it this week, and I realized that the reason he built the wall connects to a lot of the reason you would ever build a church. Like, number one, you build, he built this for, number one, it was a representation of his God. The wall was actually a representation of his God. You see, in that time, when you looked at a city, you judged the strength of the God that they served based on the protection of the wall that they had around them. The, the wall represented the ability and the awesomeness of your God. And, and we know from Nehemiah, we know that he served God. In fact, it says this in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 4. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. And for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, to God, I said Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. In other words, what he's saying is you're great and awesome, but that wall does not match it. That wall does not match it. And so he knew, man, this, I need to go home and I need to rebuild this wall because this wall is a reflection of how great and how awesome that I think our God is. And I guess maybe it sounds a little shallow, but I started thinking logically about it. Like our homes that we have, why do so many of us put so much effort into the homes that we have? You know what the answer is? They're a representation of us. The representation of us. When somebody walks in, you want them to see your style and your dignity. Some of you, in even an unbalanced way, you want them to see your success, but they're a representation of us. And so I guess the answer is pretty simple. Why do I think that building a building, resourcing a building, updating a building, making it something that looks, uh, looks, like, look, looks amazing, why do I think that? I think because if, if I'm just being honest, I think your building is a representation of God. I think it says a lot about the greatness and the awesome of God. I think oftentimes when you walk into a church and it smells like mothballs in Subway. 
and it hasn't been cleaned for many years and everybody's late to church and the pews are all messed up and the chairs are all crooked and it doesn't smell right and there's no music being played and there's no, no thought into it. I think it's a reflection without the church even knowing that this is not a, a, a big deal. And somebody said, it seems so shallow. We do this in every area of our lives. Every area. When you go on a vacation, what's the first thing you do before you go somewhere new? What do you do? Do you just show up? You look at pictures and you make sure that the pictures look good, right? And that you're going to have a good time. Why? Because the facility, the way it looks, tells you a lot about the ability of the place that you're going. And so when you look at the church and you see it resourced and you see it filled with life and you see excellence and you see care and you see technology that's not from the 1950s and, and you see that people care about what's going on, it's actually a reflection of the ability of God without us even knowing it. It was a representation of his God. In fact, you see this, something like, does God really care? Well, one of the things I've always, I've always been, been confused about, because the Bible says God's not served by human hands, and God doesn't live in a, in, in, in a building. He's, he lives everywhere. But when, when he asked them to build his temple, he, he is like, like, it's like, it's like he's, he's, he's uh, type A to, to, to the worst part, right? Like if you read the Bible, you're like, you care about that? In fact, in Chronicles, you can read that he tells them how much ounces of gold and silver to use in making the utensils they're going to use to fulfill the religious duty. He, he, he is that into the details. Why? Because it's a representation of his character and of who he is. In fact, one of the things I've always, I've always been shocked by, Solomon's actually the one that builds the temple. You can read about this in the Bible. And it tells you he built it, right? David got the instructions, never, never got around to doing it. Solomon, his son, builds it. And the Bible says it takes him seven years to fulfill it. And you're like, that's really cool. But what, what I've always been caught up in the life of Solomon is in the very next chapter, it talks about him building his house. And it says he took seven years to build the temple, 13 years to build his own house. Seven, seven years focusing on, on the, the grandeur and the atmosphere and the greatness of God and 13 years focusing on his own life. Like we can walk into a place and we can applaud all the money, all the resources, all the grandeur that's been put into it. And so many times you come into church, you're like, is that really a good use of money? Does that make sense? Which I would always tell people, which one affects eternity? Because I just walked into an arena on Thursday night with 70,000 rabid worshiping idiots. I was one of them. And not one person looks at Brown and goes, are those fireworks really worth it? When they score one touchdown, really, right? Everybody's applauding. Like, and I just think to myself, what if Christians just stepped away and just got really practical? What if church was a reflection of the awesomeness of God? Let me give you two more thoughts. No, number two is this. Why did he build the wall? Number two, he built it to be hope for the city. This is the one I get, that I get excited about. To, to be hope for the city. Watch what it says in Nehemiah 2. It says, then, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been bur burned with fire. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, you can come play because I'm preaching too long. Uh, he, he's saying this. He's saying, uh, we can't rebuild these walls, right, and get people to move here. And the reason we can't get people to move here is because these walls aren't up. And the reason these walls are up is because no one's doing it. And if we don't do it, they're not going to move back and they're not going to start businesses and they're not going to be able to raise kids because they're always one moment away from somebody attacking them. 
So we want to have this place that represents hope and a future and freedom and all the things that God is, right, when God's there. But we can't do it because they're one day away from some other army coming and attacking them because the wall is not up. He says, so I want to rebuild this wall because I want this to be a place that represents hope for, for the city. In other words, I want this to be a landmark. I, I want this to represent the hope that we have for, for people's lives, a wall of hope. And I thought to myself, we see this all the time. Like you live in Phoenixville, some of you don't, you should. And so everybody should move to Phoenixville. Let's build something great here. And so, uh, but you live in Phoenixville and uh, some of you, and, and you know, if you live in Phoenixville, if you want good Mexican food, quick Mexican food, right? Authentic Mexican food. Some of you don't know this. You go, you go to Three Brothers, right? You know that. It's, it's, it's awesome. Some of you have never been there. You need to be there, right? You, you know, if you need, you need, you're hurt. You, need, you know where the hospital is at, right? If you have time, you probably go to Paoli, but if you, if you don't, you go to Phoenixville. <laughs> if it's an emergency, you go to Phoenixville, right? You know that. It's a landmark in our city. You, 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 know, you know if you need gas, you go to, go to Wawa, right? You know if you, you want coffee, you know, most of you live in Phoenixville, but you know there's two Dunkin' Donuts. The one in the, in the town, you go to that one out, out there, it's faster, right? And so you get, get caught, you, you, you know, you know, you know, and I just, I just felt the spirit of the Lord say, Work, work in your church to build a culture where, where the goal is to become a landmark for your city. In, in other words, years ago, I did a funeral for a, a young man who, who overdosed on drugs. And I've done these more, more times than, than I, than I want to probably talk about. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, funerals are my favorite places to preach now. Because you, you, you have a crowd of people who are not distracted by the many things of life that don't matter and they're thinking about death and the Bible says it's better to go in a house of a morning. So I started preaching the gospel and preaching about hope and this young man was baptized in our church at one point and we had lost contact but I believe that he had a relationship with Jesus so I'm preaching about hope and all these things and I'm doing this funeral. I've done this multiple times and, and a person comes up to me and he begins to talk to me about church. You know, it's typical funeral talk. Thank you for what you've done. Oh, where do you pastor? And I said, well, I pastor Journey Church and you know, we have locations here, here, here. And he goes, I've heard of Journey Church. And I said, oh, I said, cool. And when somebody says they've heard of something, you're like, what'd you hear, right? we've heard stuff. I've heard people say, oh yeah, you're the loud church. Oh yeah, you're the church where everybody has comb overs and wears skinny jeans, right? Oh yeah, you're that church. You're, you're the church that is dark there and you're a church that has lights. And, and you know what he said to me? He said, oh yeah, I've heard of your church. You're the recovery church. So I'm like, what's, what's that? Like, right? Because you know, like recovery means for people that have, have got addicted to drugs and they're, they're fighting their way through that addiction. That's the place that they go, right? And it was the the best, like, the best compliment that I had ever received. I got teary-eyed. I almost put it into our slogan, Journey Church, for those not yet here, underscore the recovery church. Here's why. Because I, I want to build a place that's a landmark for people. Like, if you're struggling in this region, where you go? Go to Journey Church. If your marriage is falling apart, where you go? Go to Journey Church. You have kids that need to be invested in, man. They, they, need, they need a good example in their life. Where do you go? You bring them to Journey Church. You're struggling with addiction. You're depressed. You're unhappy. You're lonely. You just need a hug or a high five. You bring them to Journey Church. That's what Nehemiah is attempting to do. You need to build your life. You need safety. You need to start a business. You need protection. You go here because there's a wall that can protect you. It's the type of church I want to be. The last reason he did it I think the most, exciting, the most exciting aspect of our church is that he did it 
for the unity of the people. The unity of the people. The Bible talks often about a unified body. Most churches never see the greatness and the miracles of God in their church because they're disunified and disorganized. The Bible says without vision, you perish. If you don't know where you're going, you end up nowhere. And I think you had a group of people that were all worried about themselves and all doing themselves and they looked at the wall and it was torn down and it was too big for one person. But Nehemiah shows up and he teaches us a great spiritual principle that there's, there's times in our lives where we, t- we attempt something that's bigger than one of us but smaller than all of us. It's too big for one man. It's definitely too big for Nehemiah but he comes and he begins to speak to them. And some of you are like, he, oh, he built a wall, it's great. Sometimes when you read through the Bible, you need to to Google and study a little bit. It's a long time ago. They got no no architects. They got no permits. They got no townships. They got no power tools. They got got a cupbearer showing up to Jerusalem saying, I'm here to build the wall. You know, you have calluses on his hands. Like, to me, this this right here is ridiculous, right? Like, you you look at what's going to happen. It's ridiculous. But the Bible says in 52 days... 52 days, they rebuild this wall that was down for 70 years. In 52 days, too big for one, too small for all of them. And if you read through the Bible, you begin to see what happens. He gets there and he unites these people. Some of you say, how big was that wall? Well, the wall was 2.4966 or 2.5 or two and a half miles around. Say a retaining wall like you put it in your house. This is a wall. It's almost 40 feet tall, and at most places, it's eight feet wide. And they built it in 52 days. I'm amazed by that. I got a group of Amish guys across the street working on my neighbor's house. And it's, it's like the same, like they, they, they tore off his roof and put on a new roof and a new addition in like two days with hammers. I didn't even hear a power tool. Three, three men, right? just ripping things over. And I just think like, like this is what this was like. And then you read the Bible in, in, in Nehemiah 3 and you see the people that were there. It, it, if you read it, it was like the priests who, who went and the goldsmiths and perfume makers joined in. Perfume makers and, 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 the, and the religious leaders and, and, and the temple servants and the soldiers and the politicians. And they all joined in and they all began to build and they accomplished something that could have never been done before together. The Bible talks about unity. The Bible says where there's unity, the presence of God is there and it prospers. And I'm really excited about this this time in our church for a few reasons. I think we're going to build a a place in Phoenixville that represents the awesomeness of our God. I think people are going to bring their kids into this place and it's going to be as resource and as nice as any place they've ever been. It's going to be the Disney World of Pennsylvania. Not only is it going to look nice, it's going to be filled with kind, loving people. It's going to be the best kids' place in this region. They're going to walk into this auditorium, and it's going to be equipped with a sound system and lights and technology and seating to house hundreds and hundreds of people. And many people are going to come in here because of what's about to happen and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to walk into our lobby that's filled with life, and they're going to take their next steps, and they're going to move in the way that God wants them to move. And the best days of our church are ahead of us. There's two options. We're not going to take a vote. We're just doing it. The way we vote at Journey Church with our wallets. That's the way you vote. 
Some of you say, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. You know, it's, too much, it's going to be too much money. And we're, we're, going, we're going to do it without you. That's what happened in Nehemiah. Some, some, some people came and they started to complain and they said, slow down. Whoa, 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 we got to slow down. Hey, we shouldn't do this. And Nehemiah yelled down to them, I don't have time to talk to you. I'm building a great wall. And he just kept going. And that's essentially how we've always worked. We're going. This is where we're going. Let's go if you want to be part of it. If you don't, we're going. But I got to be honest with you, it's the biggest thing we've ever done. I'm going to show you how much it's going to cost real fast. $1.9 million. It's a lot. I get it. Uh, to start it, we need to raise $500,000 as fast as possible. That's when we're going to start it. As soon as we raise it, we're going to start it. Good news is, we already have the money. Bad news is, it's still in your pockets. <laughs> but we're going to do it together. And when I say together, I'm not asking you to do nothing that I haven't done. Every time that we've built a building, we've done a project, whether you're in Montgomeryville, wherever you've been, I've always went into my retirement fund because I'm not living my life to get old. And I've taken big lump sums of money out and I've placed it into every building and this will be the exact same way. I'm not gonna tell you how much because the Bible says not to let my, my right hand know what my left hand is doing. But we will lead the way in generosity and we will do this together, amen? And great, listen, great and glorious and wonderful and miraculous and life-changing things are gonna happen in this place. That's why we do this. It's only ever only about Jesus Christ. Would you do me a favor, would you stand to your feet? And uh, we're going to pray, both of our campuses. November 14th is when we're going to start. We're going to have our first offering, and, and we're going to raise the money. And our, my goal, listen, my goal is to pay, pay this off as fast as we can. That $1.9 million is the biggest number that it's going to be. We're going to cut corners. We're going to cut costs. We're going to do work that we can do. But uh, we know how much money estimated we have to run, and we want to pay it off as fast as we can because this is not the end. We still have Limerick sitting over in, 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 in Limerick, and uh, it's been run over by mice, and the building was flooded in the basement. And I don't, honestly, I don't ever want to put the kids back in the basement again. It looks like jail. So we have goals eventually to re rebuild a, a kid's wing there and, and do some stuff to the auditorium and add some parking, and that's, that's coming. And, and, and then we think, listen, at the end of this pandemic, most studies suggest that more churches are going to be empty than ever before, which means if we do what we're supposed to do and we resource the house of God and we, we're all faithful and we, we allow the Lord to work through our lives, that we're going to have nothing but opportunity to continue to reach people far from Christ. That, that's what this is all about. So, so let's pray together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I want to pray for this time. As we pray, I want to give you a chance in this, room, in this room to respond to the gospel of Jesus. The entire sermon, I know, is about our church and where we're going and what we're doing as a church and what our plans are and what our dreams are. But, but the truth is, the church is just a tool, not the point. The point's Jesus. The point is that God, God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on a cross for your sins. The Bible says, for whoever believes in him shall not perish, but of everlasting life. When I talk about this place being a landmark for hope and forgiveness and grace and a belief in a good future, I believe that for you today. You come into this place and you're just tired of life. Let's just, let's just be honest. You've tried everything and you just feel like a failure. Like you've, you've looked and you've never found. You've tried to carry the weight of, of the world on your shoulders and it's literally suffocating you. And friend, I gotta tell you, that's because you're not meant to live on your own. 
You're not meant to carry it on your own. You're not strong enough to do it on your own, but there is one that is. His name's Jesus. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he's here. The Bible says that he knocks at the door of your heart. If you would just open it up, open up your life and let him in, he would come in. He doesn't care where you've been, what you brought into this place. He just loves you. He'll set you free. So I want to pray with you as we close. Maybe you're not a prayer, praying person, but I believe that prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation you have with God that starts a relationship with him. You know this happens because this is how every relationship starts. When you got married, it started with the, with the conversation. That's where the relationship started. If you have a best friend, it started with the conversation. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it first starts with a conversation. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive my sins. I want you to set me free. Jesus, you can have all of me. And that conversation changes everything. So if you're here right now and you don't know him, but you want to know him, I would like to lead you in prayer today before we close. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. If you're here in Montgomeryville, you don't know him, but you want to know him. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to do something uncomfortable, and I'm going to ask you to do something that takes a little bit of courage. I'm going to ask you in a second if that's you. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to call you out. We're not going to open our eyes and look at you. But if that's you all over this place, front to back, side to side, and you say, hey, pastor, you're talking to me. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you all over this place, I want to pray with you as we close. Would you do me a, a favor? Would you be so bold? Would you have enough courage and say, hey, that's me, by placing your hand up in the air right now in this, in this room and say, hey, you're speaking to me right now. You're, you're speaking to me. If you're, in, if you're in Montgomeryville and you say, hey, you're talking to me, Pastor Jesus, I want him to be the Lord of my life right now. I'm right there. I, I know he's speaking to me. If you're online right now, maybe you would just type in the chat. Hey, he's, he's been talking to me. I want Jesus to come in to my life right now. Let's begin to pray, church. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you, Lord, for how you're going to move in this church in this next season. But, Lord, the point is never the building and the facility and, and, and the resources. The point is always you. You work through the buildings and you work through the resources and you work through our lives. But the point is always you. It's always your son saving people and setting people free, God. It's always about forgiveness and redemption and, and second chances, Lord. And we're grateful, Father, for how you're going to continue to work in this church and through our lives, Lord, in this season. Lord, we've said it many times that we're going through this together and we're coming out the other side better. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for continuing to build your church, to, for being a promise-keeping God. Lord, we pray for this next season that you would do more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. That's what the Bible says, that you're a God that's able to do more, immeasurably more, the Bible says, than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Lord, would you do more in this church than we've ever seen you do before? Would you, would you change more lives? Would you heal more marriages? Would you break more addictions? Would you reach more people than, than we could ever imagine, Lord, through, through what's going to happen? Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this day and all that you've done here today. In Jesus' name we pray. One more time, church, did you shout amen? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.